Well, it was 10 years ago exactly that we found ourselves in the middle of a series on marriage and the family. I actually thought it was a good series. We, we talked about the roles and responsibilities of husbands and wives and, and parents and children. I, I started it in March of, of 2002 and failed to count the weeks to see where we would be on successive Sundays. And so, on Mother's Day of that year, May 12th, 02, I was teaching on quote, the responsibilities of the wife. That was brilliant. (laughs) Ten years later, I want to suggest that I am much smarter. In our study of Ephesians, which began last October, we find ourselves today in Ephesians 5, 22, 24, the week before Mother's Day. In fact, next week, the passage will be Husbands, love your wives. That is great timing. I planned it that way. Today, Ephesians 5, 22 to 24. Most of you have been around long enough to know that we cover the Bible verse by verse. We don't skip anything. We take it as it comes. And taking it that way provides wonderful advantages, not the least of which is you cannot accuse me of selecting pet topics. And so look at the text with me today, Ephesians 5. Let's start in verse 21 to pick up the context. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Now again, I started in verse 21 to remind us of context. Let's remember Paul's very clear progression of thought. Remember last week, verse 15, he said, I want you to be very careful, watch carefully how you walk, and then he gave three contrasts about the walk. Not as unwise, but wise. Not as foolish, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and not drunk, but filled with the Spirit. In fact, he said it this way, I want you to keep on being filled with the Spirit, meaning day by day, as we just sang, moment by moment, we are to make a conscious decision to be controlled by the Spirit of God. And as a result of being filled with the Spirit, there are some results, There are some things that we will do. We will speak to one another in psalms and hymns and and spiritual songs. We will sing and and make melody in our hearts to the Lord. We will give thanks to to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, that that all sounds really, really great. No problem there. And we will be subject or we will submit to one another in the fear or reverence of Christ. And even that sounds okay. Being filled with the Spirit results in, in submission. <laughs> no problem. That only, that only takes a few hours a week, an hour or so on, on, on Sunday morning, maybe, maybe a, a little while on Wednesday evenings or during Bible studies, you know, small groups. I mean, I think I can, I can pull it together for that amount of time. But 
this careful, wise walk in the Lord's will, this filling of the Spirit is supposed to impact all of our lives to include our, our homes. So, so now, catch the flow. Be careful how you walk by being filled with the Spirit, by submitting to one another, specifically as certain members of the home submit to one another. And this submission at home actually forms a sort of heading for what Paul is going to talk about all the way through chapter 6, verse 9. It's a long section. Uh, during the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther coined a, a term for this section, loosely translated, he called it household duties, and that title has stuck for 500 years now. Because you see, over the next few weeks, we will look at the responsibilities or, or duties of individual members of a household. Now, there is some intentional symmetry to these verses that I want to make sure that you see. In fact, I'll I'll talk about this more next week, but, but Paul talks about three pairings of people within the household. First, wives and husbands in an inordinately long section. And then he's going to talk about parents and uh, our children and parents, and then slaves and masters. We'll get to that. Now, now please notice that he addresses each person and their duties. This is, this is really, really important. Don't miss this. It's not as if he only addresses the first one in the pair. That is the one submitting. Each person has a divinely appointed responsibility. In each pair, he addresses the one who is to submit first, followed by the one who is to, well, is to lead. It's also important to note that the first one in each pair, wives, children, and slaves, you go, well, that all sounds the same to me. Wives, children, and slaves submit or obey, notice, as to the Lord, in the Lord, and as to Christ. He wants us to understand that this is all focused on Christ as He is summing up all things in Him. Even things at home are supposed to be ordered under the headship of Christ. So we get to the first pair, wives and, and husbands. It's interesting to note some other important items. First, this is the longest passage in the New Testament on the topic of marriage, so we ought to pay very careful attention to it. Second, there are three verses addressed to wives and eight verses addressed to husbands. In fact, some people, they count words. Wasn't me. Forty-something words to wives, a hundred and forty-something words to husbands. And so, while this passage does cause challenge for some, the weight of responsibility is clearly on the husband's next week. Third, while children are told to obey their parents and slaves are told to obey their masters, I find it very interesting that wives in this passage are not told to obey their husbands. Intriguing. Perhaps elsewhere we'll talk about that. 
But the point is, this is a voluntary submission by the wife to the husband's God-ordained leadership. It is not intended to be blind obedience, cowering, slavish obedience. Four, what is striking is the way that Paul ties uh, ties this whole section, wives and husbands, to Christ and the church. The husband-wife relationship is actually supposed to mirror the relationship between Christ and His bride, the church. That's overwhelming. Nevertheless, this passage does present some interesting challenges. Many, in fact, believe that Paul was simply copying the household codes uh, of the patriarchal culture around him. Some suggest that he was even copying Aristotle because Aristotle named these three pairs, or or perhaps a system within Stoicism. And so some suggest that today, you know, with with our freedoms and individualism, we've moved well beyond such archaic and outdated ideas. We really should leave this teaching behind. I mean, come on. Submission smacks of exploitation and and oppression. And the the, the truth is, we know that we know that there have been such abuses through the centuries, even in the church of Jesus Christ. But I want you to hear me. Submission is not synonymous with tyranny. And we also believe regardless of the teaching of the culture around us, that the teaching of Scripture is inspired by God. He has our best in mind. And as the originator of the marriage relationship, He knows best how it would, and I'm going to use a very important word, function. Because you see, that is what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about function. We are talking about order. So this morning, Paul makes it clear that wives are to submit to their husbands as to the Lord. Colossians 3, he said it this way, Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. 1 Peter 3, in the the same way you wives be submissive to your own husbands. And then then actually goes on to talk about Abraham and Sarah and and how uh, Sarah obeyed Abraham and even called him master. I'll let you figure that out in your homes. Titus chapter 2, back to Paul, says that wives are to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands. Now notice, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. A response of the redeemed wife to, a, to the husband's God-ordained leadership, headship, authority um, within the home honors the word of God. Failure to do so results, Paul says, in the word of God being dishonored. Meaning, to intentionally disobey this command, decide that it is irrelevant, dismiss it as irrelevant for today, for, for whatever reason, is to disregard, degrade, and dishonor the Word of God. So with all that in mind, let me give you the outline of the text as we get ready to jump into it. We're going to see the command, we're going to see the basis for the command, and we're going to see the extent of the command. I'll spend most of my time in the first point there. Starting with, wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, many rightly point out that the words be subject to or submit to are in the italics, which means they are not in the original language, in the original text in Greek. That's true. 
But Paul picks up the participle, remember that ing word, from verse 21, subjecting or submitting. The point is, submitting to your husbands, wives, is an evidence of the filling of the Spirit. Conversely, I would say not submitting to your husbands is evidence of not being filled with the Spirit. Now, what does it mean to submit to or be subject to? The word in the Greek is the word hupotasso, which means, here's the definition, to subject, to subordinate, or to be under the authority of another. Frankly, you need to know that the word was a military term. It was used of the authority of a superior officer. Uh, And and we're talking about rank, superior officer over a subordinate. And and by the way, you might be interested to know that the root word for the word hupotasso is the word order, because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about order. We're talking about function. Something else very important The word is in the middle voice. say, well, what's that mean? It's important, trust me, for two very important reasons. First, when I say it's in the middle voice, what I mean is it says, wives, submit yourselves. This is something you do to yourself, middle voice. So that means first, from the husband's perspective, gentlemen, listen, nowhere are men told to subordinate their wives. Nowhere are they commanded to make their wives obey. Might be news to some of you. Any more than wives are commanded to make their husbands love them. It is commanded to the wives. Wives, submit, middle voice, yourselves. Do this. So this morning I'm talking primarily to wives. Second, Paul is telling the wives to submit to your own husband, meaning they should not seek to assert themselves in the home in a way that is ruling, controlling, or dominating. Rather, the submission, you submit yourself, that means it is willful and voluntary on the part of the wife to come under the authority and headship of the man. Let me be clear, this is not not servile, slavish submissiveness, but this is willful loving respect. Some of you, some of you husbands would tell me, my wife in this, in this area, in this area, in this area, I mean, i got to be honest, Scott, she just outranks me. Good. We're talking about willful, loving respect. Well, well, okay, what does all that mean? Let me start by telling you what it does not mean, went over this a, a, a few months ago, so just going to go over this very quickly. First, submission does not mean putting a husband in the place of Christ. So my wife is very fond of saying, at the end of the day, it is me and my Savior. You thought I was going to say husband. At the end of the day, it's me and my Savior. The text says, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. In other words, submission to your husbands is an act of obedience to Christ himself and is to mirror your submission to Christ. Christ stands behind your submission to your husband. Your husband does not, listen to me, this has been misunderstood, your hus- it is not 
um, submit yourselves uh, to your husbands as Christ, but as to Christ. Your husband does not become Christ to you. Second, submission does not mean giving up independent thought. The Christian wife should still hear, ponder, understand, and respond to the Word of God. They are still thinking individuals, not abdicating their responsibilities to make moral, thoughtful, wise, and godly decisions. You know we need it, and you are still ultimately accountable to God. Third, we see from 1 Peter chapter 3, I'm not going to read it, 1 Peter 3, 1 to 6, you can, submission does not mean a wife should give up efforts to influence and guide her husband. In that particular passage, Peter says that wives should try to influence unbelieving husbands to become Christians. What that, what that passage means is that the wife is to submit to her husband regardless of his spiritual condition. It's very important. In other words, you are not off the hook because your husband is an unbeliever or because he sometimes acts like an unbeliever. Fourth, submission is not, taking notes, write this down, men. Submission is not based on lesser intelligence, competence, or value. It's the third time in 15 years at Alliance that I have taught on this topic, and I hope that I have beat this drum loudly so that it becomes redundantly and abundantly clear. We are not talking about inferiority and superiority. We are talking about order as seen in loving headship and willful godly submission. Which leads to the last one, five. Submission is not inconsistent with equality, dignity, and unity in Christ. Men and women, husbands and wives have been equally redeemed and have equal importance, dignity, honor, and value before the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have been made to feel any other way than that, ladies, if you have been made to feel less than that, equal in dignity, honor, value, and worth, I want you to know that I am sorry. Genuinely sorry. So, with all that in mind, what, what does submission mean? Four thoughts. First, submission, this is the definition, is an inner quality of gentleness that affirms the leadership of the husband. I've already said it, the wife submits to the authority and leadership of her husband in the marriage relationship. It is making a choice to affirm your husband as a leader within the limits of obedience to Christ. It is a demeanor that honors him even, even when you disagree. It is an attitude that goes much deeper than mere obedience, although 1 Peter 3 says obedience is included. It is a respectful affirmation of his God-given responsibility to lead your home. Second, and I'm just going to comment on this, submission acknowledges an authority that is not mutual. What, what, what do I mean? 
There is a sense in which husbands have an authority that you do not have. I want you to listen. I want you to listen. Nowhere in the Bible are husbands told to submit to their wives. However, in every context in the New Testament where husband-wife relationships are addressed, the wife is commanded to submit to her husband. Third, we see this submission is to be to your own husbands. Paul does not here ask every woman to submit to every man. Not every male-female relationship requires submission on the part of the woman to the man. Rather, it is commanded for wives to submit to their own husbands. So unmarried young ladies, I would encourage you to consider when he asks for your hand, do you think, do you believe that you can submit to his God-given leadership? But it's not in every male-female relationship. This does not preclude women from being bosses. I didn't say bossy. Bosses or supervisors or senators or congresswomen, or presidents, or prime ministers, and there have been many good women prime ministers. Finally, as I noted earlier, your submission is to be as to uh, the Lord. In in fact, um, Paul later says, as the church submits to Christ, so also uh, wives should submit to their husbands in everything, which we're going to get to that You don't get to pick and choose unless it violates the clear teaching of the Word of God. It is to be complete submission to your own husband. That word own is very interesting. It's the word idios. I didn't say idiot. I didn't say to your idiot husband. I said to your own husband. Brings us to the second point, the basis of the command, verse 23. For this is why you submit the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. Paul is very, very clear. The reason he calls wives to submit is because God made husbands the head of the wife. The word head in the Greek is the word kephale, and I'm telling you this for, for a reason, because it's become quite popular recently to redefine kephale as meaning source and not authority. You can say, what, the, what, what does that mean? Well, it, it goes like this. We might say that we hiked to the headwaters, which means the source of a river. And perhaps, I don't know, maybe when someone was on a hike, they said, oh, that's what head means. It means source, not headship or leadership or authority. However, Dr. Wayne Grudem did an extensive survey of the uses of this word, over 2,300 uses in biblical and extra-biblical literature, and found not one unambiguous reference where the word meant source. And the truth is, while this interpretation found a little bit of bubbling of excitement for a while, most Current lexicons, meaning dictionaries, do not even include the word source as a definition for kephale. 
It's not what it means. In fact, we can look at Paul's other uses of this word in the book of Ephesians to see what he means. You see, he's already used this word twice. Chapter 1, verse 22. And he put all things in subjection under his, that is Jesus' feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church. Very clearly, this speaks of leadership and authority, submission and headship. Chapter 4, verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow in all, up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, yada, yada. While not as clear, most agree that Paul is not speaking of source there, but headship and leadership. He is the head of the body, his church. The point is, God has given the husband the responsibility of leadership and authority in the home. And I want you to understand that that is a massive responsibility, and it must be carried out humbly and wisely. We'll talk about that next week. The Scripture is clear that woman was created to complement and to complete man, to, to help us. Consider a couple of passages. Genesis chapter 2, and the only reason I go back to Genesis is because many times in the New Testament, they appeal to Genesis 2 as support for this teaching. Genesis 2, the man Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found a helper suitable for him. And the text goes on to say that the woman, Eve, was created for the man. So keep that in mind, created for the man. So now we turn over to one of those passages. We could go to 1 Timothy chapter 2, we won't. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of the woman, and God is the head of Christ. For man does not originate from woman, but woman from man. For indeed, man was not created for the woman's sake, but the woman for man's sake. Therefore, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head. See how this headship and authority go together there? It talks about hair and head coverings, and I'm not going to get into that. Listen to a tape. The, 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 the point of those verses is not to irritate you, but to show that the Scripture consistently is consistently clear that God has given the husband the responsibility to graciously and gently lead his family. Now, back to the text. As Paul mentions Christ as the head of the church, he, he mentions Christ as the head of the church right in the middle of this, and he can't help but go on to say about Jesus. He himself being the Savior of the body. We, we, we get that. We know that Jesus, through His work on the cross, is alone the Savior of humankind. And we're going to come back to that in a moment. Because here we are talking about household duties. We're talking specifically about wives submitting to husbands. And it's the first Sunday of the month. And so in a minute, we're going to take communion. And you're going to go, well, this is going to fit really, really well, it does, because in the midst of talking about husband-wife relationships, Paul reminds us that this is all possible because of what Christ did for us uh, through the cross. But for now, come back to that in a second. I want to be clear. In no way, he mentions Christ, who is the Savior of the body, in no way is the husband the savior of the wife. This has been misinterpreted through the years. Notice how Paul says 
of Christ. He himself. It's in the reflexive for emphasis. He alone is the Savior. And the very first word of the next verse is a strong adversative conjunction. But. It's not just a mild word. It's but. Uh, let me get back to the husbands who's n- who not the Savior, which brings us to our third point, the extent of the command, verse 24, moving very quickly. But as the church is subject um, to Christ, so also wives ought to be subject to their husbands. And then he gives the extent in, in everything. In, in everything. Very clearly, Paul tells wives to graciously and humbly submit in every area of life is what he means. This is to be the normal disposition of the wife. She is to cultivate an attitude of affirming, supporting, respectful submission to his God-given leadership. Even when you don't want to. Even when you don't agree. Even when it doesn't make sense. Even when you think he is an idiot husband. That does not mean that you don't try to talk some sense into him. Remember, you do not abdicate thought. You try to speak truth and sense into him. My wife has done that with me a time or two. Today. But in the end... There, there is to be submission. Husbands, God has given us our wives to help us. We need help to complete us. And the truth is they are wise and good and godly. And we would be most wise to actively seek their counsel and take their advice. Now let me make Two qualifications before I close. Two very quick qualifications about this in everything. Submission does not mean a wife should give in to every demand of her husband. Well, that's why it says in everything. His authority is not unlimited, nor is submission unconditional. If he should demand that she do something contrary to the clearly revealed word of God, she must respectfully decline. The law of God through Scripture always trumps the law of man, even if that man is your husband. If he commands what the Scripture forbids or forbids what the Scripture commands, the Scripture takes precedence. Second, submission does not mean submission does not mean a wife should endure the abuses of her husband. I have never counseled, I will never counsel. A woman to stay in a home where she is being physically abused. If she fears for her safety, the safety of her children, she should remove herself from that environment. In fact, I'm going to say right now, we will remove you, men, from that environment. But that separation should be for the purpose of discipline and ultimate restoration. You say, well, what if the slug never changes? What if the danger is always clear and present? Then you don't go home. As we close this morning, I want to say something very graciously and very gently. 
As I said earlier, I, 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 I have found occasion to teach on this three times, uh, once in, in the last, uh, twice in the last year. But, 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 but I, have, I have attempted always to be kind and gracious. I never in any way have wanted to sound demeaning or condescending. Now listen to me. If I have, if I have today, I am sorry. It is not my intention to be demeaning or condescending. It is, however, my desire to be biblical. There's no way to get around this truth of Scripture. Wives and future wives, you were created to be uh, to complete man. While man was made from the earth for the earth, you were made from the man for the man. And I want to suggest that it is a high and honorable and wonderful position. It, it, if the husband is to be the loving leader in your home, then you have the scriptural responsibility to lovingly submit to his authority. And you know well by now that we as husbands are not always going to perform that responsibility well. Nor are you going to live within the parameters of your God-given responsibility well. What that means is there have been times that your husband, you feel like, or it may be true, that your husband has not loved you as Christ loved the church. And that there have been times that you have not submitted to his authority. That means that in the husband and wife relationship, there needs to be much grace and love and forgiveness. In short, it is going to take the filling of the Holy Spirit. And the last thing I would say is this. Each of our individual responses, that is, wives respecting and husbands loving, are not, get this, are not conditioned on the other person filling their responsibility first. In other words, you cannot say, I'll love if you submit. You cannot say, I'll submit when you love. It is not our responsibility to enforce these responsibilities on the other. It is our responsibility to do what God has commanded of us. I had a lady come up to me after the first service and say, Scott, um, early on we had problems in our marriage, and for years I was praying that God would help him to love me. And then I changed my prayer that God would help me to respect him. And it changed. Stop trying to figure out what comes first. You just do what God has commanded you to do. Father, this morning, I pray that you would help us, husbands and wives, future husbands, future wives, to understand the truth of Scripture and to faithfully submit to it. And that you would help us to live in homes where we live out responsibilities in grace and healing and forgiveness. In Christ's name, amen.